0: everyone once again it's that time of the week it is the happiest time of the week when we go inside ems i am your host chris Sabalero and with me always in the chair to my right always in the chair to my right is my good friend kelly grayson kg what is going on in your summer months this year
1: well i am i am busily trying to finish my novel in time to uh launch it in september uh the novel one of the of the Some dude chronicles <laughs> so Listen, uh, what, is, what is
0: that about sun Dune chronicles
1: some dude man you don't know who some dude is you've been an ems you don't know who some dude is no what is the book about well the, the it's it's uh it's urban fantasy historical fiction kind of thing that uh um it it uh operates on the assumption that some dude is a uh, supernatural entity that inhabits human beings to wreak havoc upon this earthly plane. Uh, and uh, the first book is going to deal with his, uh, or his, the protagonist is going to be his, his adversary, uh, uh, the, um, the being that is is uh, uh, meant to thwart some dude and banish him back to hell. So <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's turned out pretty good. But um, I've got to, it requires a bunch of research to, to do. So I've, uh, you know, right now I'm looking at the, the uh, research in the, the uh, assassination of Archduke Ferdinand uh, in the prelude to World War I. Uh, to, so what happens to back to historical.
0: So it happens, happens in that time frame?
1: It happens in three different time frames. Remember, these guys are, uh, these guys are time um, jumpers. Immortal. Yeah. Well, no, not time jumpers. It's just, uh, they're immortal. So, um, the first part is set in the Old West. Uh, the second part is set in the lead up to World War II in Yugoslavia. And the third part will be set in, uh, the United States in the, uh, on the U S Mexico border during the, the, uh, cartel wars. All right. So
0: is there any, any chance of a podcast host getting a little shout
1: out or what? I would. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a, sh- Hey, I'll red shirt you. You want me to red shirt you in the, in the book? Yeah. Why not? I mean, can I'll I come, can I come back you. in a later day? Can I come back? In a sure, later book? sure. I'll, 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 I'll make sure to red shirt, red shirt you and, uh, and, and kill you in a uh, gruesome and, and epic fashion yeah well, we
0: or well, at least make me pivotal that i have a piece of information or something that they need to yeah. get from me until yeah. well they torture me and i'm i'm holding on till they kill me how about that yeah all
1: right all right all
0: right let's we'll see all right let's see how that works out but <laughs> you know kelly one of the things that um uh, you know was was going on this week is every so often people will give you a call and they'll say you know what is uh you know, what is this about? Or Chris, how would you handle this call? Mm -hmm. Or I had this call and this is what I did. And what do you think? And you know, it's not what I think. It's what you think. Right. I mean, my medicine is different from your medicine. Kelly Mm -hmm. is different from everybody else's medicine. And I think that, uh, you know, we do the things that we do based on our knowledge, based on our skills, based on our ability, based on our experience, the things that we do today aren't the things that we did five years ago, aren't the things we did when we first started. And when people call, I mean, I think it's just a reassurance of confidence that, hey, did I do the right thing? And you have to feel you do the right thing all the time. Even if you don't do the right thing, you've got to be able to learn from it. You've got to be able to get some type of wisdom from it. This is where your reflection comes in and you figure it out. Well, I got a call this week. It was actually, well, it was actually, I think it was last Friday uh, from a peer that was asking me about uh, TXA. And how this was going to fit into EMS, and did I think that there was any place for it? And then, uh, Jonathan Lee, uh, Frontline Farm, actually wrote an article on on August 4th, 2022, understanding TXA. So, it may be the time for us to kind of kick back and kind of think about it and maybe share a little bit about what this is as agencies may be seeing it. But just your initial thought uh, this has been, uh, you know, swinging around here the past few years in EMS. Do you have an initial feel for it?
1: Yeah, we we use TXA at our agency and uh it's you know it's um uh, a useful drug. It's it's uh it's enthusiasm for it has kind of waned in in recent years in light of some newer studies, but uh it's still a uh still judged a useful drug and and relatively inexpensive tool to put in the toolbox to to uh help with coagulopathies and and uh help uh deal with with life-threatening bleeding
0: um what it's, protocol uh, what protocols do you use it i mean what is the protocol in your agency what are you using it for well we
1: we use it in our uh our shock trauma protocol uh for life-threatening hemorrhage um and uh it's uh haven't had the chance to use it as of yet uh because i haven't had a patient bad enough to to need txa um most of my my shock patients in my area were uh we're compensating fairly well and and uh not bleeding all that bad in the first place. Uh but um it's it's nice having it in the box knowing that you uh you have it there in, in case. Um well, maybe for those what, of you go ahead.
0: Yeah, maybe what I'll do then is let's go ahead and and I'll just talk to you about it since you were yeah. trained and you have it in your protocol. Yeah. But I didn't mean to cut you off. What were we gonna end with there?
1: Well, TXA is is uh, as Jonathan points out in his article, uh, the the trauma triad of death—coagulopathy, uh, uh, hypothermia, and acidosis—are the the three uh, uh, three elements of the trauma triad of death, and they work like a dog chasing their tail. Um, when patients die from from traumatic insult, uh, these are the usually the three things that are that play a role uh, in that death, and. Uh, the use of TXA is meant to circumvent the coagulopathies that occur. Uh, m- managing the trauma triad of death is, is essentially BLS care. It's keeping the patient warm, making sure they ventilate and oxygenate appropriately, uh, try to stave off acidosis uh, and, and plug in the holes and getting them to definitive care. Um, but TXA gives us an ALS option in there to, to help work uh, against that coagulopathy. Normally our, our uh Clotting system is supposed to be there to to uh, develop clots, but this ag- exaggerated response in coagulopathy may actually start to cause fibrinolysis, uh, increasing the risk of bleeding, particularly when the patient gets hypothermic. Uh, and TXA helps help circumvent that process. So, All right,
0: stop, stop. Right. So I, under- <laughs> I understood. I understood exactly what you meant, and there were a lot of paramedics out there that understood what you meant um but there may be some that don't know what you meant let's go ahead and give them the reader's digest version so they understand exactly what this drug does i mean in, in short this is a drug that will help coagulate the blood so but mm-hmm. uh, or you know,
1: help prevent clots from breaking down
0: or exactly good yeah. I'm glad you said that one of the things that i'm glad you also said was is that the trauma triad of death which you haven't if you haven't heard of it before you know kelly kind of listed what that was um one of the things that you said was it was an it's an emt skill right yeah and it's nothing it's mainly bls exactly and one of the things that i think is important is that we don't utilize our emts to handle these things right this automatically becomes a paramedic skill or an als skill which i think is wrong so you know so Mm -hmm. basically kelly i mean you went through the training you have this in your toolbox. Can you break down what TXA does? How does it work? What's the uh, pharmacokinetics of it?
1: Well, you, you have uh, to, to build clots. You, uh, your body uses fibrin to form a, a network uh, or a scaffolding, if you will, for platelets to adhere to, to build a clot. Um, and uh, the, the coagulopathy is, is a derangement of that process. And it's thought to be uh, hypothermia. And and uh, hypoxia tend to derange that process and actually start to work down, uh, break down that fibrin network, giving those platelets very little to adhere to. TXA, or it's a synthetic form of lysine, is designed to circumvent that process. Uh, lysine is an amino acid uh, found in fibrin, uh, and that's how plasmin binds to fibrin uh, to break down the clot. Uh, TXA blocks that binding. Uh, and, and uh, prevents plasmin from breaking down the fibrin network that platelets adhere to, thereby uh, circumventing fibrinolysis and uh, keeping it, our bodies from breaking down clots inappropriately. Uh, this is uh, one of the key elements of the, the trauma triad of death. And if we can circumvent that process, uh, we can prevent a lot of re-bleeding uh, and potentially save some lives. That's what the theory was behind TXA. Uh, the theory has turned out not to be as as pronounced as we thought right. in real life, but uh, still still an effective drug to give.
0: And still has some use. So I think that there, yeah. we're going to start seeing more and more agencies. Yeah. And the more and more agencies that are using it and the more and more data that can be put out on it, the more and more that we're going to start to see it. Mm-hmm. So when we think about how to administer it, um, you know, you have it on your truck. I mean, how yeah. was how it given?
1: How do you give it? We give it in a slow IV push, and I mean a slow IV push, or or probably more uh, easier to do uh, in a rapid IV push. Uh, uh, I mean a, a, a fairly slow infusion. We typically mix uh, one gram of it in a hundred mill, milliliters of saline and administer it over ten minutes. If you push it rapidly, you can cause some uh, even worse hypotension, uh, and you can repeat the dose in in uh, eight hours or so, which is outside our Baileywick. Uh, but uh, generally, you mix it in a hundred cc bag of, of saline and administer it over ten minutes. So it it hang it up as an IV piggyback uh, in addition to your to your uh, resuscitation fluids if you were giving large volumes of resuscitation fluids which you you really should not
0: well one of the things that you have to do when you give a medicine is you always have to kind of keep your eye on what's going on with the patient mm-hmm. i mean what effects are you looking for uh, as you're given as you're administering this medication
1: well uh you'd hope that the the patient's Signs and symptoms of shock lesson, but you really don't. You're not going to see that in the field. Uh, TXA, to my mind, is one of these drugs that we're given that uh, uh, pose some benefit for the patient. Uh, after handoff, um, you're not going to see a rapid turnaround in in the patient giving TXA. Uh, just like you're not going to see a rapid turnaround in the patient, uh, the asthmatic patient where you're giving corticosteroids, but it does help. Uh, <clears throat> help, uh, uh, limit the, the hospital stay and the sequelae that, that comes, uh, after we've dropped the patient off. So, uh, you're not going to rapidly see a turnaround, uh, in the patient with, uh, with TXA. It's not a, it's not a magic sword, uh, to, to turn around, uh, hypovolemic shock. Uh, but it is one of those things that will, will limit the harmful sequelae shock, hopefully, um, uh, long-term. The the way TXA came about, is we had and and uh, Jonathan points this out in his article. We had some studies that that showed uh, a benefit to TXA. One of the first ones was Matters, uh, and, and it was a military uh, uh, study. Uh, Matters was not a prospective double-blinded randomized control trial. It was a retrospective study, uh, but it described a mortality benefit in military trauma uh, that was most significant in patients requiring uh, a great deal of blood over the greater than 10 units of blood. Now they went and, and did another study called CRASH-2 that that really shifted uh, the use of, of uh, or really supported the widespread use of TXA. Um, uh, in the civilian realm, and it demonstrated a pretty big decrease in mortality in trauma patients treated with TXA. Uh, and that and a lot of people based on, cra- or a lot of agencies based on the CRASH-2 data hopped on the TXA bandwagon and and really started carrying this on their trucks. Now, they, they did a follow-up to that that cooled their heels a little bit called CRASH-3. Uh, and the CRASH-3 data uh, didn't refute the previous two studies, but it did temper enthusiasm somewhat. It showed no no significant difference in overall trauma mortality, but it did demonstrate uh, that the medication did no harm and uh, the overall uh, safety of the medication. Uh, and uh, it did show benefit, uh, demonstrable benefit to a small subset of our patients uh, with mild to moderate, moderate head injury, uh, GCS anywhere from nine to 15. Um, the number needed to treat uh, for that subset of patients was 61, meaning that you would have to administer uh, uh, TXA to 61 patients before you found one that would uh, uh, would potentially benefit from the practice. Uh, the initial the initial studies on Crash Two uh, and Matters uh, showed a number needed to treat of 68, uh, which is is comparable, and and that number seems seems a bit uh extreme um, until you look at it in context this is not a if it's a relatively safe medication to give and with no uh known serious side effects uh it's a it's a good nice to have drug um, when we look at things that we we've done as a practice for years like spinal immobilization, for example in in penetrating trauma uh, the number needed to treat uh, for that was 1032. So we've we've done worse things. Yeah, that's right. uh, with, with less scientific benefit uh, uh, for for plenty of years in EMS. So the number number needed to treat in the '60s is actually pretty pretty fair uh, okay. evidence. But hey, let me uh, ask yeah, yeah, you
0: this question though. So you know the the only knowledge I have about it is just from reading and researching about it. So if you have a if you have a patient, uh, you have a trauma patient that you're suspecting to having hypovolemia um you know there you, you know you you're now we we're going to give a fluid bolus now we may give some dopamine uh, but now we start to suspect that there may be some hemorrhaging. I mean, where's the flip of the coin here? I mean, where, what medications are you going to? How are you deciding to treat this patient based on presentation and, and pulling whatever we need to pull off the shelf? Uh,
1: to me, I'm administering it while the patient is still compensating, obviously. Uh, there's no there's no coin flip involved for me. If I've got a patient who mechanism and an assessment uh, of the patient, uh, reveals that they're most likely in, in, uh, compensated shock. Well, the idea of treating shock is to keep it compensating. If you wait until it's decompensated to move, you're already too late. So, uh, I'm pulling out the TXA early on. If I suspect internal bleeding, uh, and, and bleeding of non-compressible sites and that sort of thing, things that I can't, uh, circumvent, uh, through simple use of direct pressure and a tourniquet. Yeah, they're getting some TXA. It's a, it's to, according to the, the crash three, uh, data, it's a good, um, better safe than sorry, uh, drug because, uh, once again, it, it, through the three studies, uh, it showed no appreciable harm, uh, in administering TXA. So, uh, you feel pretty confident in giving it, even if, uh, you're, you're playing better safe than sorry, and you're being, uh, maybe, uh, a bit cautious, uh, I I certainly, if the patient were in, in decompensated shock, when I encountered them, I would certainly give the TXA. Uh, But to my mind, I'm giving it while they're still looking fairly good in the hopes that they continue to look fairly good and that they don't start to crash uh, toward the end of my transporter after I've dropped them off before they reach a surgical suite.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it has nothing to do with your care either. I mean, so, I mean, (laughs) there are, there are side effects as well. I mean, they're not uh, very, very severe you know, nausea, diarrhea, stomach pain, vomiting. Yeah. But one of the things that we do have to watch for when uh, during the administration is uh, it may cause an anaphylactic reaction. Mm -hmm. And we've got to be able to make sure that uh, we're paying close attention to that. Um, You know, we're not going to be able to talk about, uh, you know, what are you feeling? But we've got to be able to know that this could cause an adverse reaction. Um, Other serious side effects that, uh, and again, this is just from my reading and research. Nothing that I've seen. You could have vision changes. You know, coughing, confusion, uh, confusion. Um, So this is a drug that we really, really have to be careful for. Yeah. And as more and more data comes out, I'm going to be interested interested to know if this is something that really is going to be making a difference in the field, or is this just another one of the you know the the um, flavors of the month. Another one, yeah, exactly. That uh, um, you know goes by the wayside of some of the other things that we've uh, brought into the field.
1: Yeah, you know, and 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 Jonathan lists these these side effects and and adverse events. Uh, the side effects themselves fairly mild. Uh, the adverse events are like anything else that we do in medicine. We have to balance the juice versus the squeeze. Uh, as just a prophylactic therapy that you're routinely given, uh, it may not be <clears throat> justifiable to give TXA to every every little patient in uh, that you think might have some bleeding. Uh, but if you balance this versus the, the possibility of life-threatening uh, hemorrhage, uh, then the context of that, these these adverse events look uh, like a, a better risk. So uh, every patient is different. We've always said that. Um, but these these events, especially in anaphylaxis and the thromboembolic events, um, are uh, uh, are you know relative contraindications. You might think or precautions that we would take in the drug. Not even relative contraindications. Uh, I'm looking at the cutaneous adverse reactions, the fixed eruptions and the epidermal necrolysis. I'm um, looking at the cutaneous adverse reactions, the fixed eruptions and the epidermal necrolysis. I can't help but wonder if uh, I don't know what the pH and the molality of, of uh, TXA is, um, but I uh, I can't help but wonder if you give it in a fairly large bore line in a, a fairly big vein, um, which we should be doing in trauma, uh, how, how much we might mitigate the effects of that, uh, or, or if you had it within your capability of central line, uh, because we give plenty of other drugs that, that really should not be given in peripheral lines, uh, like dextrose 50%, um, uh, that, uh, that, by all rights should actually be given in a, given in a central line, um, we, but we do it all the time. Uh, and, and part of the problem with, with uh, drugs like that is their their molality. Um, and, uh, in, in the pharmacy, they generally don't give drugs that's as concentrated as, say, D50 uh, outside of a central line. Uh, I, I would think, and, and you've administered Finnergan before, Chris, you know how it burns and, and how it can uh sclerose a vein. Right. Um, and people used to push finergan uh uh all the time in an IV push when probably it's best injected into a liter of saline and fused over an hour or so. Uh but uh, uh we didn't often give it that way. That's the uh, way we learn. We learn we learned from it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But I, I think uh I think given these precautions and and given in the setting of of life-threatening hemorrhage, uh TXA is pretty. Pretty safe bet. Um, uh, as always, you, you observe your patient for adverse effects, um, and don't think it's a miracle drug. But it could help; probably won't hurt. And that's uh, that's kind of the uh, uh, the current thinking, as far as I can tell, on TXA. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Are you using TXA in your agency? If so, what effects have you seen from it? Do you have any good stories? Do you have any uh, cautionary tales in administering TXA to uh, hypovolemic shock patients? Give us your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sobelero, who's going to die horribly in my next book, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.